Indigenous Nutritionist Podcast. I am here today with Ercilia Troiano, doing my best to pronounce it very correctly, from Italy, from Roma, Italy. I had just spent a month over in Europe, most of the time in Italy, this beautiful, magical country. And since Ercilia is so busy, um, we decided to do the podcast when I returned home and things were a bit more settled. September was a crazy month. So, Ercilia, if you could start us off with introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and where you're from. You can take it away. Hello, uh, my name is Ercilia Troiano, and, uh, and I am a dietitian since 1997. I was born uh, in Naples, and uh, I live in Rome where uh, I have a wonderful uh, family consisting of me, uh, my husband and my daughter, uh, who is a wonderful uh, 13 years old girl. Uh, I have been lucky enough to have uh, different professional experiences uh, in my life. Uh, And my professional activity uh, has always been carried out uh, in the area of public health and food service. I have also participated very actively in the, in the National Association of Dietitians and I was the president of the National Association of Dietitians from 2014 to 2018. Um, at the moment, I am uh, a scientific a member of the scientific committee of the Scientific Association for Food, Nutrition and Dietetics. Uh, and I was very lucky uh, during my professional life because um, I had the, possi- the possibility to collaborate with the various uh, research groups uh, in Naples and in Rome and to publish several scientific papers in the area of public health. That's awesome. That's so great. So you were born in Naples. Now you reside in Rome. Is there a big difference? Because I've never been to Naples. Is there a big difference between Naples and Rome um, food-wise with different you know, local foods? Or is it similar, like pretty much the same? Uh, 
she's from Naples. And in Rome, I I knew any other uh, kind of uh, meals, of dishes, of typical uh, of typical meals. So what would be a typical? Oh, sorry to interrupt. What would be a typical meal in Naples that you wouldn't really see in Rome? Is there something in Naples special to Naples? Um, yes, there there are some habits in Naples that uh, and some uh, kind of dairy products in Naples uh, um, that are very typical. For example. Uh, about the fried pizza would they fry it in olive oil do you know uh, no i think that um, uh, they fried uh, in mixed uh, in mix in the vegetable sauce oh okay so when you say fried i'm trying to imagine how this is made it's not like deep fried but maybe pan fried or whatnot yes Okay, yes. okay, okay. A deep fried, yes. Oh, it's fully mashed. Oh, fully yes. mashed. And the, what oil is used, though, to fry it? I think that they use a mix of vegetables oils. Oh, okay, a mix of vegetable oils. Okay, all right. Yes. I didn't know that. Learned something new today. All right, so going back to Rome, talking about Naples, back to where you are currently residing, and we were just talking a bit about the great work you are doing there. Can you elaborate a bit for our listeners what work you're currently doing in Rome? Yes. Uh, today, uh, I work at Rome, third municipality. Rome is a very great city. Uh, we are divided in 50 uh, municipalities that, that are 50 small towns. Uh, I deal with the school food service and that promotion. It is a job that um, stimulates me every day and put me in contact with uh, a, con a constantly changing uh, uh, social and cultural reality. Mm. And, uh, this, and I love this aspect and I find it very stimulating. The school food service uh, uh, system in Italy is an excellence and represents a model of study for other, for the, for other countries. And for this reason, I feel lucky and I am very happy to give my contribution every day uh, to, to this so fascinating uh, world. Mm -hmm. That's, that is so great what you're doing. Absolutely. I think it's wonderful. When you said the school service is, um, you mentioned something about doing a study where, you know, for the for the rest of the world, is that correct? For the rest of the world to maybe look at and adopt? Is that what you're saying? I, I, 
I mean that uh, in Italy, children have the possibility to have uh, a, a complete meal uh, at school. Okay. Um, they, they have also a, a snack during the morning mm -hmm. and uh, also during the afternoon. Okay. So what you're saying is that the children get lunch at school and two snacks? Is that yes. correct? Okay. And then what would a what would a typical school lunch be in Italy? Um the 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 meals uh, follow the Mediterranean diet. Mm. So children have uh, a first plate yeah. um, of pasta or rice with vegetables on pure or pulses. Mm -hmm. um, they have uh, a second plate uh, composed of uh, meat or fish or eggs mm -hmm. and uh, all um, all the product all the all the menus are uh, elaborated uh, following the nutritional guidelines mm -hmm. and uh, they are studied uh, to promote the the good habits that they have to take also at home. Mm -hmm. They also have uh, a, a vegetable plate yeah. and uh, fruit and bread. That's great. And in the, yeah. in the morning, they have also a little snack, uh, which is studied to give uh, uh, the right uh, uh, calories mm -hmm. and nutrients yeah. and to to also promote uh, the good uh, um, society to uh, to for the for the morning yeah and so they arrive to the to the uh, to the lunch with the the right uh, appetite mm -hmm. so the morning snack would that be considered breakfast or is it or are they having breakfast at home and then a uh, mid morning snack no, they have breakfast at home. At home, okay. And then they, have... they, they should have breakfast at home. <laughs> yeah, and right. they do it. <laughs> and they have uh, a snack in the morning. And uh, the, the children from six months through three years have also a second uh, um, a second snack in the afternoon. Okay, and that touches upon the question. You said six months to three years. How? What is the oldest um, of the children you work with? Until what grade? At the moment, uh, um, 10, 11 years. The first, okay. the, the first uh, cycle of. Uh, uh, the primary school. Okay, the primary school. And this is free for all the children, a free lunch and snacks, is that correct? Yes, the the service, the, 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 school, the school food service um, is uh, free and uh, the parents pays uh, according, pays a, a contribution okay. according to the uh, incoming uh, uh, level. Okay, I understand. It's similar, I think, in the U.S. as well, depending, because every state is different, but that's great. And what's really cool to hear is how it's based on the Mediterranean diet. I mean, since yes. Italy, Italy is part of the Mediterranean, um, and I know that the Mediterranean lifestyle, if you will, and diet has been studied 
extensively for its health benefits. So it's really cool to see that it's being put into action over there in Italy, something that we could adopt over here in the US. All right, moving on a bit, and thank you for sharing all of that, is talking more about food culture. We talked about Naples, learning about fried pizza, but what about in Rome? For our listeners, especially as I'm in New York and everyone's very busy and wants to cook, but sometimes doesn't have time to cook, through the pandemic definitely had more time to cook. Are there any traditional food dishes that you make in Rome that maybe we could make over here? Yes, the, the food Italian culture and traditions uh, are famous all over the world. Mm-hmm. What I believe is uh, that the most precious aspect of our culture is the importance of care uh, and care of nutrition and meals, mm-hmm. starting from the choice of foods and the consumption of the meals. Uh, in particular, one of the aspects that I find uh, healthier and more important is the habit of eating meals on a regular basis at the table, yeah. when possible, with the whole family. Mm-hmm. Uh, some habits uh, which unfortunately uh, are also spreading in Italy, but which are not part of our culture, for example, eating, standing up in the street uh, and running, or um, having um, ready-to-eat meals uh, on the sofa in the front of the television, mm-hmm. are not part of our culture. And there are habits that it is not dif- difficult to change in order to enjoy the moment of the meal in a comfortable and healthy way. Uh, from a food point of view, uh, I think that uh, the, availab- the availability of a great variety of fruits, vegetables mm-hmm. and purses make us uh, a lucky country where flowers uh, and traditions give to each dish a, a special task. Um, we have also um, uh, the availability of excellent uh, vegetable fats such as extra virgin uh, olive oil. Yeah. Uh, and, and this adds to this fortune, the so-called icing on the, on the top. Um, soups and dishes based on cereals and vegetables uh, represent the basis of our daily diet, yeah. as well as the habits of uh, preparing a side dish of vegetables, mm-hmm. uh, cooked or roast, and ending the meal with the tasty fresh seasonal fruit. Okay. I love what you said. I love all of it, but there's something to be said when you mentioned sitting down at the table or eating with family and whereas that might not always be possible every single day um especially you know i think in new york people move far away from their families but then they make friends that happen to be like family but even the fact of running and eating this whole modern world of grab and go and i too notice a difference this time when i was in europe versus 
you know, I've been to Europe often, but I used to live there 17 years ago and it was very different back then. And I noticed a lot more grab and go as well. Whereas it's been a long time in between my time in Italy this time and last time, um, I didn't see too many people running and eating or walking and eating, but I did notice a bit more of this grab and go culture, if you will. Um, and it's interesting you say how it's not part of your culture, maybe more part of ours, sitting and eating in front of the TV. I know like TV dinners you know, became popular in the 70s or 80s, if you will, probably 80s. But I like how you started talking about that because as a dietitian myself, a lot of people that come to me are always asking like, what should I eat? What I, should I not eat? But it's not always about the food. It's in like the enjoyment of the food. It's um, letting yourself sit and eat it slowly so you can digest it better and so on. So that's a great, um, a great tip and something of your culture that hopefully doesn't get lost, <laughs> that we can sit and enjoy our food. And then also you mentioned olive oil. One thing I did see was there were a couple of times when I would buy, let's say, a salad at the grocery store um, to bring back to my hotel because I had to work or whatnot. But the, the salad dressing was always olive oil. And that's something you don't see in to-go salads here in the US. It might be a different type of oil, but it was always olive oil and a little bit of salt. And I thought that was cool. And I was like, all right, just simple olive oil, which has multiple health benefits. Um, so, and I also like how you said like a side salad of, or a side dish of vegetables, as in it doesn't have to be just vegetables the whole meal, but just make a side dish of vegetables. I think that's something that people in the U.S. can easily adopt. If they're making a meal, say, all right, let me make a side dish. I'll cook up some broccoli. Boom. There we go. It's very easy to adopt. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, so to move on, since we're talking about cultural differences and how things are changing, especially in a global social world, if you will, do you know of any fad diets that are happening in Italy, if at all? And if so, what are they? Yes, sure. We live in a, in a global world, so the fat diets uh, are also a problem for Italy, uh, for uh, uh, for uh, Italian dietitians. Um, in Italy, um, the problem is uh, so felt that uh, several uh, scientific uh, societies in the nutritional uh, area have published a consensus document aimed at debunking a particular type of fat diets based on food intolerance for the treatment of overweight and obesity, in which all the scientific evidence has been collected to demonstrate how this is a wrong approach, mm -hmm. uh, which in some cases uh, risks to be very dangerous, especially when uh, it uh, extends to the pediatric age. Mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately, um, this kind of diets are increasing, increasing, increasing 
also in the pediatric age. Oh, wow. So certain fad diets were actually reaching down to children, you're saying, in the pediatric age. Um, can yes. you give us an example of maybe a fad diet over there that you've noticed recently? Uh, for example, diet based on uh, on uh, tests, uh, blood, blood tests uh, okay. for intolerance, and so eliminating uh, uh, foods, uh, a, a great number of foods, uh, or entire food groups. I okay, I know what you mean. There are certain tests where people, and I'm sure, just to give our listeners an idea, there's certain tests. They're not allergy tests, but they're food intolerance tests. And yes. I, when I worked in Abu Dhabi at a school, the children had the same test, actually, now that I remember being given loads of these tests where it would say they couldn't have so many different foods. And I questioned the validity of these tests. Well, you know, how accurate are they? Should we go by it 100%? So um, we, ha we do have them here in the US as well. Um, I, I'm not as familiar. I don't run the test and so on, but I think I know what you mean where if it's saying you can't have, let's say mushrooms, broccoli, onions, this and that, but you've never had an issue with those, then should you eliminate them? You know, it's almost like how much can we rely on these tests versus other ways to go about this or whatnot? Like, um, yeah. So and that actually is very popular in, I think, younger children is they try to find out. Um, and it's not an allergy test. So it's, it's uh, I don't, I think it's more readable, but for a cost, for a lot of money for people to access, but it's not an actual allergy test. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So I just want to be mindful of our time to move on. The next question I have is just something that I'm always interested in. I ask every dietitian because I love I love breakfast. And yes, I was over in Italy, so I'm familiar with what I had for breakfast. But I'd like to know for you, like in the home or working person in Italy, what would be a typical breakfast in Italy? Um, although in recent years, uh, the habit of having a quick breakfast uh, uh, at home or uh, uh, at the bar has become more and more uh, widespread. The typical Italian breakfast is uh, a sweet breakfast with uh, milk or yogurt, mm -hmm. with the typical uh, cappuccino, mm -hmm. uh, bakery products such as uh, biscuits, uh, croissant, or cereals. Uh, or the simple uh, bread and jam. Obviously, you can never miss a good coffee. Huh? That, no, that's for sure. Coffee is amazing. And there's one thing in Italy I felt like there wasn't a lot of snacking, but there was a lot of just like, oh, let's stop for an espresso. It was almost like espresso was yes. a little snack. Yes, and the, the morning meal I too noticed was pretty simple. Maybe some espresso or cappuccino which I was told not to order past 11, <laughs> which I laughed because 
then it was explained to me, well, you would never have a cappuccino after lunch. And I thought, no, I never would. I would never do that anyway. Um, but it's more of the morning meal, the cappuccino with some bread, something simple. Yeah. All right. And speaking of coffee, um, how would you, if someone like myself, and I had to learn this <laughs> kind of the hard way, if I wanted to order an iced coffee, is there a certain way to order an iced coffee versus an espresso over there? Um, in Italy, coffee is espresso. <laughs> there is no other way to order an espresso than by asking coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, but every Italian has his own espresso with cold milk or with hot milk, mm -hmm. with sugar, without sugar, long or short. Generally, ice, uh, uh, iced coffee is uh, used uh, during the, the in summer. Mm -hmm. And um, it is a, a long espresso storage uh, in the fridge. Right. Um, and in Italian, generally, it's called shakerato. Shakerato. I love that word. <laughs> I learned that word. Quickly. Um, yes, shakerato. So for our listeners, if you're going to Italy and you want iced coffee, order shakerato. Because I yes, ordered yes. once iced coffee and they gave me espresso with, with ice. And I thought, oh, this isn't what I want. Oh. <laughs> but I learned. We live and we learn. So shakerato. Thank you for that, Ocelia. And last but not least, some words of wisdom, whether it's a quote you like or something you want to leave with our listeners from you over in Rome. Um, what would you have to say? I think that the strongest uh, and most effective message that uh, uh, I, we can give to people is that we eat food and not nutrients. Mm. Uh, we need to consider the importance of the whole diet rather than the single foods uh, or the single nutrients. Nutrition uh, uh, is not a cold uh, and mathematical uh, calculation of energy and calories. Uh, food is culture, is tradition, is task, is conviviality. And above all, it is uh, health. And health means uh, well-being. Mm -hmm. For this, it's important to dedicate the right time and the right attention to what we put on our table, trying to acquire the right tools to be aware of our, of our consumption choices and uh, avoiding believing in uh, miracles. What was the last part? And avoiding believing in miracles. Oh, okay. I love that. That's so beautifully said, Ursilia, that we eat food, not nutrients, and food yes. and health and well being. Um, that is, especially in this modern day, of course, there's nothing wrong with supplements, vitamins, minerals, taking those as needed. But we have to remember like food first and it's more than, you know, it, there's so much wrapped up in food, so many emotions and the tradition. And I, I think if I was to interpret the last part where you mentioned about miracles is 
people are always trying to find like that one quick fix, that one pill, but there's much more than that when it comes to food and health and well-being. Beautiful. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I, I definitely will be back to Italy and then hopefully we can meet in person. I know this time has been a crazy past almost two years now with the pandemic, but it looks like things are doing very well over there, which I was very happy to see. All right. Until next time. (laughs) Ciao. So that wraps up this week's episode. All right. Let's be uh, honest. This, I don't know, quarters episode. Um, with my interview with dietitian Ursilia based over in Rome, Italy. I do want to make mention of one thing Ursilia said. If you noticed when I asked her, is there anything that us Americans over here across the pond can make that is an easy, traditional Italian recipe, certain traditional dish, um, you know, Mediterranean based, healthy, la da di that we could make over here. And when she answered me, she did not jump to, oh, of course, there's this traditional dish called la da da, or here's this recipe, I'll send it to you. She emphasized, and her first thing she said was to eat with family and to not eat in front of the TV, like eat at the table. Now I know, I mean, I live alone in Manhattan. I don't have my family here. It's not always possible to do that, but it is possible for me to sit at my table without my laptop, without my phone, without the TV on or whatnot. And so I really wanted to point that out because the more I travel and observe and been doing this for a long time in my observational, I guess, I don't know, self-research, if you will, is that I've noticed, you know, it's not so much about the food as it is about the lifestyle. I think as dietitians, people come to us like, what do we eat? What do we eat? What do we eat? Tell us, give us a whole plan. And meanwhile is like, I know that when I'm counseling patients, one question I always ask is, you know, do you work? And if so, what is your job? You can learn a lot about that person from their job, from their stress level. And then you can counsel them better. But I think it's really important to step outside of this, you know, it's all about the food. Like, you know, it's not all about the actual food. It's maybe the way in which we eat it. Are we rushing down the street eating most of our meals? Maybe that has something to do with digestive issues instead of the actual food or a combination. So shout out there. Great answer. All right, so next episode, which I will get to you before the end of the year, before 2022, whoa, uh, is a little bit different. So when I first started my Indigenous Nutritionist podcast, I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going to be interviewing dietitians, nutritionists, or RDs to be from around the world. I still will be doing that, but my business, so I can pivot it. I will be interviewing a founder of a company called InGarden who specializes in microgreens. I'm really excited. I'm excited to try them out. Um, and I'm excited for this interview. You know, the founder does not have a, de- she's not a dietitian, but she does have a degree in nutrition biochemistry, which is awesome. So a little bit more on the food science side. And I'm excited to interview her. I'm excited to get it published and out to you guys, which will happen. I know, not, definitely not next week, but it will happen before the new year. All right, that being said, good morning, good 
afternoon and good night. Ciao.